Ahoy, mateys! Good morn, Sunday morn. It'd be us on the Sunday morning podcast. And today we're talking about the sea and all of its great ships. As always, it's me, Zach, and we have first mate, Alex. Ahoy! And second mate, Tom. Yarr! Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of cum. (laughs) (laughs) It's the boat episode, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> yep, welcome to the boat episode, the widely anticipated boat episode. Uh, that we haven't advertised at all. Something <laughs> I did not make up in my ADHD-fueled hyper-obsession with the Ever Given in the Suez Canal. I said like a month ago that I wanted to do a leftist fishing episode, and now it's happening, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, today we'll be talking all things sea right after we talk about, of course, what's going on online and in the real world. So let's get started. We're talking about white boy summer. White boy summer, baby. I got to say that unironically for four days, and that's it. Four glorious days. Yep, it's meteoric rise and inevitable cancellation. (laughs) You know, I gotta respect Chet Hanks for, like, he didn't get the quickest cancellation, but, you know, his time for the any percent uh, cancellation speedrun is respectable. Four days. It's not bad. It's pretty solid, yeah. Bean Dad made it, what, like 18 hours? Less. Yeah. Like nine hours. Uh, Same with Shrimp Cereal Guy. Shrimp Cereal Guy made it, like, three days. I already forgot about him. Yeah, thank God. Didn't have the same yeah. staying power as Bean Dad. Yeah, no. Bean Dad is gonna like rattle out, rattle around in my brain until I'm like old and like dementia ridden in bed, and I'm just gonna be like laying <laughs> so in when bed you're like, thinking about Bean Dad. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, hopefully, uh, Alzheimer's runs in my family, and I've done enough drugs that early onset isn't isn't out of the question. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get get rid of tom by episode 800 <laughs> 800 that's pretty optimistic <laughs> your brain is just spilling out of your ears and it, you're just rattling off online moments from 2020 2021 <laughs> and then the 19 year old she married the 89 year old and it's literally that yeah okay grandpa let's get you to bed <laughs> I was a hot boy for Bernie once. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Grandpa. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) But yeah, it really cracks me up how quickly people latched on to White Boy Summer because, you know, people were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's drink a 30 rack. Let's wear uh, tank tops that aren't tank tops, but are shirts that we cut the sleeves off of. You know, people were really into the concept. And then Chet Hanks put out the merch that looked racist. And then it turned out he beat up his ex-girlfriend, and now nobody's talking about it. I was completely on board with White Boy Summer. It's basically what I've been doing for like three summers now. Uh, (laughs) White Boy Summer (laughs) is, like you said, about the homemade tank tops and maybe some jorts. uh, Homemade jorts. Homemade jorts, I'm down for some jorts. Waking up and finding a Smirnoff Ice next to you in bed. That's kind of the essence of White Boy Summer, at least it was what I was hoping White Boy Summer would be about. I've been trying to push Hot Boy Summer before Chet Hanks ever entered the picture, because that's what I've called it for three years, and I think 
it's still a good idea. There's still there's still a culture to be found there. What are the key differences uh, between White Boy Summer and Hot Boy Summer besides the fact that uh, White, I mean, Hot Boy Summer does not include uh, abuse or racism? Well, yeah, it's pretty much just the racially loaded terms, and I wouldn't say that it is based in abuse, especially not trying to market Black Queen Summer. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah those shirts were bad. Bad. Yeah. For anybody who didn't see those, some of the merch that Chet Hanks put out was advertising Black Queen Summer, which, you know, mildly racist coming from a white man. Who speaks in Patois. Yeah, and it was in that, like, gothic Nazi font. Not great. Like I said, I really wish that everybody would have uh, told me that uh, that font was, like, racist um like three hours earlier right before i got it tattooed on my stomach (laughs) i literally like got out of my appointment and was like scrolling the timeline and was like it was like this font is aggressively racist and i just like looked down at my stomach and i was like i'm gonna fucking kill myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah white boy summer came and went before summer even kicked off i think i think we should try and make hot boy summer merch and sell that as our first podcast merchandise. No racist fonts, no loaded... I still uh, think we should do Benghazi ain't, ain't going away. We should redrop that. We, we do down. have to redrop that, yeah. I mean, if uh, if we want to spend some of the Patreon money on a website, I can, uh, I can get us a merch store going. Dude, I'm so down. That would be so much fun. There is the Colin Hanks beer, uh, beer drop. <laughs> no, Colin Hanks can fucking suck my balls. I hate Bro, that Colin guy. Colin Hanks sucks. What a Im- nerd. Imagine, imagine living in your dad's shadow for years and years and slaving away and struggling and never being anything more than a mediocre actor. And everybody thinks your dipshit racist brother is the cooler one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's gotta suck being Colin Hanks. Your brother who's, like, probably totaled two cars and, like, speaks in fucking Patois all the time and you, like, work your ass off and, like, grind to try and be this outstanding person and your, like, dumbass brother who, like, does coke off the living room table just, like, stumbles his way through life and everybody fucking adores him. I would be pissed. <laughs> I would be so mad it's objectively funny though yeah that's probably how my siblings feel (laughs) (laughs) uh guess what we got up next is uh real world shit and the big news item today well not today today the past few days is the Derek chauvin trial everybody's least favorite pig is about to feel the long dick of the law hopefully hopefully is the key word there yeah there was i saw some shit was going on with the pre-trial proceedings really what was that uh mostly i think it had to do with the witness selection questionnaire or not witness selection jury selection uh the questions were tailored to exclude black people Mm. and uh people who just have a general distrust of law enforcement I, I believe I saw the questions were like, have you ever had a negative experience with a police officer? Uh, do you believe that the police officers uphold their oath to protect and serve and stuff like that? Anybody who's had a negative experience with police, especially if that experience has been racially charged, isn't going to respond like, oh, yes, the police are fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're just they're just picking out like cop sympathizers to pad this jury out and and the the unfortunate part there is that like 
you can't, I mean, you obviously can't pick somebody, you know, if we're trying to have, like, a fair and, uh, you know, even trial. You can't pick somebody who says, you know, all, you know, all cops deserve to die, but... But they do. You hear me? (laughs) Yeah, we hear me, handler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we heard that. Yeah, Jenna Go Blue. (laughs) FBI handler's gonna love that one. Um, but if, you know, if you exclude people who are not anti-cop, then by definition, you get people who are pro-cop because the amount of people who have no opinion on the police is vanishingly small. So, you know, in their effort to find somebody who's not biased against Chauvin, they found people who were biased towards him, which just flips the fucking problem in the other direction. Yeah. And if I'm correct, they're also holding the trial in a jurisdiction outside of where uh, the murder of George Floyd actually happened. I might be wrong on that. I'm just going off of what I saw on a Twitter thread, which is similar to Twitter never lies. Yeah, of course, which obviously you're uh, that removes a level of community connection and, you know, the collective community's trauma from that event. Sure. And puts it in a jurisdiction where the same experiences aren't had or, uh, you know, it had less of an impact, especially if it's in one of the surrounding suburban communities of Minneapolis, where people were probably upset with the BLM stuff over the summer. Uh, That's actually the same thing that happened in the Rodney King trial is they moved it about an hour outside of L.A. to a suburban, mostly white jury that then obviously decided to acquit the police officers involved. So, uh, any predictions for the Chauvin trial? I think he's going to walk, and I think Minneapolis is going to burn. I don't think he's going to walk. What I do think is going to happen is they're going to slap him with something. It's going to be a a slap on the wrist. It's going to be, like, fourth-degree manslaughter, whatever the lowest degree of manslaughter is. Because, like, you can't refute the video evidence, but they're going to do absolutely everything they can to spin things and get him the shortest uh, shortest sentence they possibly can. I don't know, yeah. man. I, I hold absolutely nothing out of the question when it comes to white men in the court system. Yeah. I, I gotta say, there's a big part of me that thinks he's gonna walk. I, well, no, I disagree. Because if it's really egregious, they get a little, a little teeny bitch sentence, like Brock Turner. You guys remember that? He got six yeah. months and like I think a little bit of uh, of uh, community service. Then why would they to- put up the concrete barriers and the barbed wire, like the razor wire? Like I, I just I can't foresee them thinking that it's going to go any other way than he will walk and for that reason they have decided to put up their defenses i think they put up their defenses because they're they're no matter what they're going to give him an inadequate sentence yeah Yeah. like uh i'm i it will not match the severity of the crime at all yeah yeah um i just think they're going to give him some sort of very small sentence it's going to be like six months or something then he's going to get a job at the police department in like ann arbor or something it, it's the same they're shit gonna that hail happened him as a with, hero yeah uh fucking what's his name who's the guy who killed mike brown darren wilson yeah yeah our, our friend our friend tony used to work at a uh boot store in st louis and darren wilson got a job there because the guy who owned the boot store supported him and then people found out, and then he had to leave because you know Jesus. everybody hated him. Mm-hmm. 
it's going to happen like that with show. He's going to get jobs and he's going to get this and that because people, these white supremacists are going to give him a safe haven, whether that's a police job or what have you. Yeah. And especially the passive white supremacists, not the, it goes beyond the people who showed up at Unite the Right in 2017 and had the tiki torches and where, you know, white supremacist images, it's, it, it's it's the passive white supremacy in America that's gonna let this man keep his livelihood. Yeah. Yep. Did you guys see the one witness? Um Okay, first of all, the defense attorney is just the biggest fuck in the world. Oh, he's a fucking clown ass idiot. Yeah. But did I you, love him. He's so stupid. He's so fucking dumb. Did you guys see the video where he was questioning a witness who was there at the time? Mm-hmm. Who yep was uh, he he just started recalling what this witness said. Was it the? He's like you called him. Was it the paramedic times. or the MMA guy? I don't know if it was, it was MMA guy. It wasn't the paramedic. It was. I think it was just a bystander. But yeah. okay, it, the, well, the paramedic was the lady. Yeah, it was the it was the guy, right? It was the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Okay, the, I've seen the that defense one, attorney was like, uh, yeah. "Did you call Officer Chauvin a bum thirteen times?" And the guy was like, yeah. <laughs> and did you like, call he like, him? He was like, is that how many you counted? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you call him a fucking bitch? Well, I suppose I did. Did you call him a pussy ass bitch? If that's what the video said, that's what I said. Which is actually a very good, that is a very good witness handling of questioning. Because mm-hmm. the whole purpose of those questions is he'll throw, the defense attorney could throw one in there. Um, that he didn't actually say, and if he just straightforward says yes, I said that, then you yeah. can throw you can throw that witness out as like being incredible um, mm-hmm. or uncredible. I mean, also it's just the like he knew what he was trying to do. The purpose was he was trying to paint this guy as um, he was doing the angry the angry black man stereotype yeah. basically because yeah. this witness was a, a black male and he was trying to make it like he was angry and threatening and aggressive and he was trying to invoke the sort of um innate racism of what is i assume a white jury Mm. um so the guy the guy fucking handled it stone cold i respect the hell out of him because he was just like yeah that's what i said yeah and he you know he didn't let him get under his skin at all yeah best line from that is when the defense attorney asked if he threatened to slap the shit out of (laughs) Uh, yeah. Chauvin and I think the other officer's name was Officer Theo uh, defense attorney said did you threaten to and I quote slap the shit <laughs> and the guy just says yeah and I meant it just fucking absolute Chad Chad response yeah. just master class again so much respect to this guy for keeping his cool Yeah, I also and- loved at the beginning when the lawyer he's like did you call him a man he's like yeah he's like did you call him a real man did you call him a big man <laughs> uh yeah <no>. sure <laughs> but yeah his, his his final remarks on the stand from what i saw was that the defense attorney asked if he was growing angrier and angrier in the situation and the guy said no i grew professional and professional then i think he said something about you know watching something that was very upsetting and how he was professional in the uh, in the face of unprofessional conduct by the officers yeah he said i'm staying in my body you can't paint me as angry yeah yeah but i mean 
that's that's the thing the defense attorney is trying to paint it as and i'm sure many people agree with him that it is completely unreasonable and beyond what is acceptable to get upset with police doing their quote-unquote jobs yeah when it's it's not enough for these people to accept that the cops unjustly kill people unjustly kill minorities they don't even want you to be angry about it well, it's it's not even that. He doesn't he doesn't care whether or not he's angry. He's literally just trying to take that to take that conduct and use that to discredit his character. Yeah, yeah. Thereby making people trust his witness testimony less. Cuz yeah. his witness testimony <clears throat> is he killed him. This is how he did it. This is what happened. So yeah. the content is infallible. You can't, you know, all the witnesses are saying this is what happened. This is the same thing. So they're trying to call in question the character of the witnesses themselves. Yeah, which yeah. Is a, of a course. Shitty fucking legal defense, by the way. Yeah. I'm also, I, I was also like specifically with that referring to the racist response to that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen like it, it's not enough for like watching the life be drained out of a human being for something so fucking minor is apparently not an issue to get upset over if the police are doing it it's it's business as usual to these people yep and if you react poorly you're the one who's being irrational and like it's upsetting because that's something traumatizing to to see this is yeah and one of the one of the other witnesses, the paramedic lady that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. or EMT or something, f- I forget what she was, but she was a first responder of some sort. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, the, the, the defense asked, uh, is it fair to say that you were becoming more and more upset uh, during the duration of the call? And she says, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody be murdered, but it's very upsetting. Yeah. Like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> of course she got more upset you fucking dipshit yeah and, and she and, was also the one who dropped the banger of a line the uh the defense was trying to basically insin- insinuate he was asking questions about memory and he said something like oh is it possible that a stressful situation could affect your memory of it um trying to insinuate that people were remembering the situation wrong differently yeah. um and she said yes that is absolutely true uh so it's a good thing it was recorded yeah like just shut down his line of questioning completely the witnesses are doing a fucking excellent job and i get that witnesses aren't supposed to have opinions in court cases but there's no way you would enter this without any kind of opinion and also they can tell that this guy's you know normally you would be asking factual questions and you would be trying to establish you know veracity of facts and they can tell that this guy's just yanking their fucking chains and understandably are not taking too kindly to that. Yeah, because the facts, it's on video. It's undeniable. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. As, as many of the witnesses have pointed out. But, yep, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I imagine if he walks free, this country is going to see something even bigger than what happened oh, yeah. last summer. Cities, I, cities will burn, and I don't think it will be a, an unappropriate response the like the energy of last summer was really good um and obviously i i obviously do not want this guy to walk but if he if he does then you know hopefully the people respond appropriately and show show the powers that be that that's not okay even back then with how fucking divided this country is over you know blue lives matter black lives matter I think something like 67% of people said it was completely reasonable to burn down the, the third precinct 
or whichever it was that burned yeah. in Minneapolis. So the the people of this country are a really fucking strong force whenever they have something like that to unify behind, and I'm ho- I'm hoping we see more of that. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't take a miscarriage of justice to get there. Yep. But that's all. Well, that, that's what almost all popular movements are built around, especially yeah. in pursuit of yeah. All right, so uh, thank you guys for listening this far. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Sunday underscore pod. You can go on Patreon, give us money at patreon.com slash Sunday morning pod. Uh, if you've liked this episode and any of the previous ones we've done, go ahead, go on iTunes and review us. We got uh, a couple of weeks ago, we got a really good five star review that uh countered the one star review that said we had too much vocal fry this one said we had just the right amount of vocal fry so we're gonna need more of those to sort of balance everything out and uh you know get the universe sort of equalized but thank you guys for uh, those of you who have reviewed so far and listened so far all that good stuff we really appreciate it uh and if you really like it tell your friends about it tweet about us you know, post on your dad's Facebook wall. Do whatever. Uh, just share the share the wisdom, share the good times. That's about all I've got, though, so we're going to let you hear from our favorite sponsor, Anchor, real quick. And then after that, we're going to talk about boats. So if y'all hadn't caught on yet, the second half of this episode is going to be all things sea-related. <laughs> Yeah, it's the boat episode. We gotta have it's the boat episode, boat baby. Episode. Wait, Alex, did you research a boat? I did. I have a boat yes. picked out. Fuck yes. Okay, so okay. I think we're gonna start off the segment with our favorite boats. I want to save mine for last. We it holds fucking a very know dear what place yours in my heart. is. You guys know what mine is. The viewers might not. Maybe they do. It's it's they, no. I agree with Zach. His is his is pretty solid. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good boat. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the boat that I went with was the HMS Beagle. Uh, it is the boat that carried Darwin uh, to the Galapagos Islands. It was Good a boat. yeah. It was a chonky boy coming in at just over ninety feet long. <laughs> Big boat. So it was originally designed in eighteen oh seven, and it wasn't built for thirteen years, and then didn't actually go on its first voyage for another six. And the first voyage wasn't actually, it wasn't Charles Darwin. They went and that, that was actually when they discovered the Galapagos Islands. They went okay. and did a uh, hydrographic survey in like, uh, like, like near South America and like all around in that area. And they ended up discovering the Galapagos. So like, I think it was like two years after they came back from that voyage, uh, they went out on uh, the one with Charles Darwin. But the first voyage, you guys got to hear this shit. Okay. The captain's name was Captain Pringle Stokes. <laughs> That's a fucking phenomenal <laughs> name. That's fucking Holy great. shit. Yeah, but uh, he killed himself. Um, <laughs> let's see. About, That's a roller coaster. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. holy shit. Uh, let's see. About four weeks in, uh, he shot himself. He lived, and then four years later died, or not four years, four days later died from delirium. That would be so fucking awkward if you lived after shooting yourself on a boat. (laughs) You're stuck with these people. (laughs) At least I get to go to the psych hospital, like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Oh, my, yeah. 
the world's God first BPD damn. captain. <laughs> See, representation is important. <laughs> and then he was replaced by none other than the, the lieutenant of Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm making people call me from now on. And so it, it had one more voyage in 1845. And then when it returned to port, it was refitted and it became a Coast Guard watch ship. Um, like it didn't do any moving or anything. It literally just like sat out in the water and... Uh, <clears throat> There's nothing about it that I could find, but apparently at some point they lost it. Uh, it was just like gone because the next entry after that is possible uh, like place of rest. And it's like they think they discovered it shipwrecked somewhere in like the Thames River, but they have no like they can't confirm it. And like like I, I just I have no idea how that happens, but it was in like two it wasn't until like 2002 that they discovered it. Huh. The ship I picked is the Leibov Orlova. Uh, probably not how you pronounce it, but I don't speak Russian, so that's the best I can get. boy. <laughs> Built in 1976, it was a cruise ship uh, that was built for uh, cruising in Antarctic waters, so it was an icebreaker as well as a cruise ship, which is cool. Um, named after a Soviet film star of the same name. Blah, blah, blah. Goes on for a little bit. Uh, just doesn't really do anything terribly interesting until about uh, 2010. In September 2010, uh, the cruise ship got seized by Canada because the company that, o- that owned it owed like several hundred thousand dollars and hadn't paid their crew members in five months. They kept it for two years, just in a dry dock, sold it in 2012 to be broken up for scrap, and then the guys that they sold it to kept it for two more years. Once they decided to finally actually scrap it, it was being towed to the Dominican Republic to be broken up into scrap metal, and on the way there, the tow line from the tugboat to the ship broke. They tried to save it, like tried to get the tow line hooked back up, and couldn't. So the ship just started floating away into Canadian waters. The Canadians obviously did not like that, so they got somebody to go after it and try and salvage it. That didn't work. So it's been floating since 2012. It's just been floating in international waters, just kind of scooting around. Um, At one point, it was believed to be full of rats that were eating each other. That was possibly disproven. Uh, I love and how then it's possibly in, disproven. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> in about 2013, they think it may have sank, but they're not sure. So it's either at the bottom of the ocean in international waters near uh, Canada, or it's just still out there hanging out, just sort of floating around. If it's still out there, we have to find it. We have to find it, and according to the law of salvage, we'll be able to claim that boat as our own. Fuck it, boys chat gets a boat. And that's, yeah, that's exactly how that works. No, it really is how it works. If you find a ship in international waters and it is uncrewed, uh, you can claim it as your own vessel. Did you learn that from your boat book, boat boy? <laughs> no, that wasn't in the boat book. This was, uh, this was prior <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> 
prior knowledge. No, okay. they didn't cover that in the boat book. Yeah, that's that's a book for that's a book for ship observing. It's not for <laughs> the thing I like ship about stealing. the ship is not that not that it's sunk or anything. Not like any of its history. It's the fact that they just like lost it and didn't really bother to get it back. Yeah, They're just like let's, or let's yeah. just leave it out there. Yeah. I think that takes us to my boat. Let's go, baby. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. Of course, we are talking about the SS Edmund Fitzgerald. Good old Eddie Fitz. The good old Eddie Fitz. Isn't that the dude who wrote The Great Gatsby? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) uh, he was the boat. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. Crazy small world. (laughs) (laughs) No, but... uh. Yeah, the the SS Edmund Fitzgerald is a little bit of a local, I won't say legend, but it's it's got mythic status in Michigan. It's a cryptid. <laughs> yeah, local cryptid, <laughs> SS Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> it was so it was a cargo ship and it carried iron ore, uh, mostly through the Great Lakes to all the ports there and all the port cities. So, you know, Minnesota, Detroit, Toledo, Wisconsin, and it carried iron ore. And it was one of the largest ships to sail the Great Lakes. It was stupid long. I'm trying to find the measurement here. Yeah, so it was 729 feet long. Pretty big for like a lake-faring boat. 26,000 ton cargo capacity. I know that from the song. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, um, Actually, it's only... Oh, wait. Okay, so there's all kinds of ways to measure tonnage on ships. And I'm not sure what the difference is, but yeah. It's 2,600 deadweight tonnage. Yeah, I don't get numbers. I don't understand how they work. So I'm not going to try and figure that one out yet. But tragically, too, on, tragically, on the night of November 10th, 1975, uh, the SS Edmund Fitzgerald was caught in a storm in Lake Superior, the largest and coldest and scariest of all the Great Lakes, and sank and now all we have to commemorate it is a song by Gordon Lightfoot. Um, Good song. It is an excellent song, to be honest. Uh, it, Can we it, play it on the pod without getting in trouble? <laughs> I wanted to make no. it the credit song. <laughs> we all will right. absolutely get copyright struck by Mr. Lightfoot himself. <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, like Lori Lightfoot's husband or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure Lori Lightfoot's gay, right? That'd be so good. But yeah, the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, of course, holds a spot in the hearts of uh, all Michiganders and most people on the Great Lakes. It's probably the most famous sinking of a Great Lakes ship. It's still down there. They never really made an effort to salvage it because it was the 70s and uh, they didn't have that kind of technology. But the song lives on. I believe 29 sailors lost their life. And every year, the bell at the Maritime Church in Detroit uh, rings its bell 29 times on the anniversary, and I think one more for all those brave sailors who have lost their lives on our Great Lakes. That brings me to a little college tradition I wanted to talk about here, uh, which is Eddie Fitz Day, November 10th every year. Uh, You get your boys together, and from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., you play the song on repeat on the loudest speaker available in your living situation. (laughs) And uh, after that concludes... You and your boys get together at night, and you finish 29 drinks for the 29 <laughs> sailors who perished. Each or collectively? Collectively. And oh, then, okay. 
you you all together take the 30th shot to commemorate all those sailors who have lost their lives on the Great Lakes. That's um, kind of beautiful, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, in like a frat boy kind of way, it's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's hot or uh that's white boy autumn. <laughs> what day is this i kind of want to celebrate it <clears throat> november 10th november 10th um, yeah i I'll, tweeted I'll about, about it and months. i tried getting a couple group chats to to talk about it with me and i got yeah he's from gonna one. be tweeting about it next year so don't yeah worry. yeah keep an eye out uh but i did get <laughs> removed from one because nobody cares about your stupid fucking dumb holidays act <laughs> said that it kind of stung uh i'm not gonna name names but <laughs> it's me use the podcast as a weapon of war <laughs> yeah but weirdly enough that tradition didn't start in michigan uh it started in the middle of buttfuck nowhere ohio uh Hell and apparently yes. there yeah my buddy I, I had a buddy who went to worcester which is like this small private college and weirdly enough every frat on their campus participates in that they will move like their party speakers out to their windows in their front yards and they'll play Eddie Fitz all day. Um, I don't know how they have any connection. I know um, in my buddy's frat house, they had a painting of the Edmund Fitzgerald and that was the main fixture of their living room. (laughs) Like a really big one? Oh, massive. Yeah. Love that. That's yeah, awesome. this is this is a fucking landlocked college in in Ohio. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, it's not like there's anything better to do in Ohio. I was gonna say no, they just needed yeah. a reason to celebrate. Yeah, we probably do have a listener from Ohio, so I'm sort of sorry to whoever that is, but not really because you're from Ohio. Fuck Ohio. I'm sorry. With every I grew bone up in of Texas, my body, and and I know what it's like to live somewhere that you fucking hate. So, if you live in Ohio, I mean, fuck. (laughs) I thought Texas was bad. (laughs) Godspeed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, beyond me being the world's uh, biggest Great Lakes fan, uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald has a special meaning to me. Um, I don't think I've remembered a single November 10th in the last three years, and I don't think I've remembered many uh, November 11th either. (laughs) So... God bless. God bless. God bless. Now that we got our God favorite bless ships the out of the Fitzgerald, way. Man. Yep. Rest in power, Kings. Truly. Uh what do we what else do we want to talk about? We could do uh I want to do sea shanties, because I looked into sea shanties. Sea shanties? Okay. Yeah, sea shanties. Because yeah. <clears throat> I I just it's something that I thought would be interesting, especially with like the resurgence of them with TikTok and everything. Um so I looked them up. They were uh, invented in, they don't have like an exact time or place that they were like credited with being invented, uh, but they Which trace them back to like, yeah, roughly like the 1400s. Uh, and they're attributed to African slaves who were working on plantations. Uh, they originally called them chanties. Um, mm-hmm. And they actually, so uh, the word sea shanties, though, is used to describe a very specific group of these like labor songs. Uh, They're like historical work songs, and they're very specific ones that generally come from uh, like the two decades leading up to and uh, immediately after uh, this like United States Civil War. Uh, is when a lot of them, especially on merchant ships, ships, 
merchant ships. Uh, especially on merchant ships. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> especially on merchant ships uh, is like where they there became popular. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Fucking hell. The word has like recently been adapted to include basically any like maritime work song. And it is actually, so there are a couple different, like, folk music apparently actually has a lot of sea shanties and shanty lore in it, uh, particularly in the 50s and 60s, because a lot of it they see as, like, a uh, heritage thing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, like a lot of different, like I know Irish bands um, will make claims to it. They have like rock bands. They have a derivative form of music based on sea shanties, and it's called pirate metal. And I have been that rules, I dude. I've been unironically listening to it for the last twenty four hours. It's really fucking good. <laughs> uh, there's this band called Alestorm, and it's fucking awesome (laughs) they're so good and like in all of their music videos they they dress like pirates like it's oh dude it's phenomenal i watched all their videos last night (laughs) the weren't weren't sea shanties were originally to call and i guess shanties in general they're originally to like call tempo when you were doing manual labor right yes so it was actually so it was used um primarily when uh, somebody like when crew members had like hauling and heaving tasks and they did it to establish a rhythm to yeah. make their labor more efficient. Yeah. Instead of going one, two, three, pull one, mm-hmm. two, three, pull, you yep. just sing a song that has a consistent rhythm and tempo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably yep. more fun too. Yeah. I was Probably say. a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, they also, we uh, should do that some... at all workplaces. Just <laughs> songs, <laughs> songs to make the work go by. <laughs> You're ordering oh a you're ordering a meal at McDonald's and the the back crew and they're staff screaming to, Wellerman at you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing a call and response song for each burger patty I put down. <laughs> That'd be so fun. And that's well, so and that is like one of the things about them that like makes them what they are is there like there are no lyrical requirements to it. It's largely based on improv. And it's just like you said, it's like call and response. So it's like one person saying something and then everybody else calling it back. And so it's like they can say whatever the fuck they want. So like, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And apparently yeah. some classical poser composers have been known to put like sea shanties in the middle of their pieces. That's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that's like the old timey equivalent of like putting like a like a hip hop verse in a pop song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sampling. Yeah. Yeah, I just I was like, hmm, something sea related. And I was like, sea shanties are cool. So Yeah. That's the research I did for this yeah. episode. That's the most research I've done for any episode. <laughs> <laughs> All I knew was that they had roots in like manual labor and keeping tempo. I didn't know any of that other stuff. That's yeah. pretty cool. Crazy. Much much like current day, uh you know, the boys back then were heaving and also hoeing. And I think <laughs> we right. do a lot of heaving and also hoeing on this podcast. Damn right we do. God damn right. <laughs> okay, so, Tom, you've said multiple times in the group chat that you want to talk about leftist fishing. And yes. I have no fucking idea what that means. Uh, I don't either. I guess the biggest takeaway <laughs> from it would be uh, kind of like that, it, it, like that article you sent, uh, which specifically relates... Uh, pirates 
to and and refers to them as proto-Marxists. Basically, they yeah. were in a material struggle that was brought on by capitalism where they were. And so they set to the high seas and began piracy in order to redistribute wealth. And like that's very largely how a pirate ship worked was like they distributed things evenly amongst their crews. And so it's like all of this semi evenly. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously like, a captain is going to get more, but I mean, it, it's not capitalism. It's, it's not that massive labor exploitation. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they're like, they were, they were the blueprint. <laughs> they meaning like fishermen, that- or they meaning like fishermen, no pirates. Or, oh, pirates. pirates. Yeah. I did want to talk a little bit more about that article that I shared. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and link that in this description when we post this episode, but like, like Tom was saying, it, it's just super interesting how, you know, that was, God, how many years, you know, couple hundred, 300 maybe even before, you know, before our boy Marx was even alive. And it's just very interesting how those ideas that he wrote about were not really his to begin with. You know, they've existed for, mm-hmm. you know, time immemorial. People have always been cognizant of the value of their labor and the sort of inequity of uh getting their surplus wage value taken from them mm-hmm. you know and you'll see that in slave revolutions and you'll see it in shit like this with uh people going from merchant ship crewmen who are getting their wage value taken t- from them to equally uh equitable pirate ships just re- really cool something i didn't think about before zach sent that article yeah th- this article just uh just a little preview it's by kester bruin it's from 2012 and it's called pirates as proto-marxists and why this shouldn't give you a red alert which is kind of like a red scary title but we're gonna ignore that for a minute and this was just <laughs> a little preview of what he was going to write about in his book mutiny which is about uh labor and pirates and Sea uh, time capitalism back in those days, like the 1600s, 1700s, I believe. Um, but the essence of the article is that, um, much like you know, the industrial factory owners of Marx's time and the massive CEOs of our time, merchant companies like the East India Company and all those other places that commissioned sailors to take care of their shipping. Uh, exploited the surplus value of their sailors who just fucking toiled in the worst of conditions i mean ships back then were filled with disease and rotten food they didn't have any kind of compensation for injury i mean it doesn't sound fun to be working on a merchant ship it sounds like a special kind of hell and Um, you get scurvy yeah (laughs) and you get scurvy um but then it, looking at pirates as you know a unique kind of social class social movement of the time they specifically rose up against uh the exploitation of their labor and the, the as alex said the siphoning off of their surplus labor to these huge companies and they became you know pirates they seized the ships they were working on and then um all shared equal stake in their adventures and misadventures and People who were along for the ride got a cut. Even the captain had, in terms of their outcome, you don't want to be a captain who fucks up a plundering, because that's your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say that, you know, the pirates were 
the good guys or whatever. Yes, they, they were still raping and pillaging oh. and looting and shit. But yeah, when viewed through that, uh, when viewed through that, that class that. lens, it's uh, you know they're a hell of a lot better than the merchant fuckers. Yeah, yeah. The merchants were just capitalists before capitalism was a term that was used to describe their unique position yep. in society. I also think it's very interesting how this just kind of like happened organically like this is a movement that grew up entirely on its own like you said like like hundreds of years before marx like there was no like outside influence for them to like base a structure on and like do this like this is just something that kind of like grew up out of itself yeah well that's the thing i mean that speaks to marx's theory of you know the uh, historical struggle between workers and the owners of production Mm -hmm. or the owners of capital i mean and I mean, this was just an isolated, I would say pretty isolated incident. I mean, you don't really hear about serfs or anything seizing their, their the, the landowner's land or anything like that. Yeah. But, I mean, this was just an expression of that struggle that left doctrine just kind of uh, accepts as how history has worked. As reality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The historical material reality. Whatever the terms are for it, I'm not familiar with the super specific <laughs> words. Yeah, read some more theory, bitch. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so Man, long. I'm illiterate. So the reason that we've decided to make the boat episode and cover all things maritime, sea, boat, ships, uh, all of that, was of course because earlier this week we all got to watch the world make their jokes about the ever given gets stuck in the Suez Canal, which is arguably the funniest news story of 2021 yet. Pretty good. Um, yeah. No, I couldn't get enough of that shit. I'm sure we all saw the jokes. Uh, got stuck on the 23rd of March, I believe, and didn't get free until the 29th, which kind of sucks because the initial assessment said it might not be free for weeks, which, which would have been admittedly the funniest shit that's probably happened this decade um <laughs> oh yeah crippling Just international fucking, trade yeah 10 percent of international trade goes through the suez canal oh, and the fact shit. that it was stopped by one ship um <laughs> we can do better that's fucking we can gold. do better fellas <laughs> let me see 12 percent <laughs> <laughs> no but so so a little bit about the ever given um the Ever Given is a ship that flies under the Panamanian flag, but I think it was built in Thailand or Taiwan. I don't know. I forgot. Taiwan, I think. Yeah, Taiwan. Uh, or as we here at the pod like to call it, China. Um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, we're going to get caught up in Yikes. an uh, international scene here. but Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, it is a golden class cargo ship which are some of the largest in the world particular is one of the longest ships in the world uh i think it's like a quarter mile long which is just fucking insane i Big mean boat. think of yeah think of how long it takes a you to walk a quarter mile uh, long yeah that's why it caused such an issue holy shit yeah <laughs> i knew it was a big boat but god damn yeah boats are fucking huge it's. I think it's one of the lo uh, the largest functioning ships in the world right now. That is staring God in the eyes and telling him to fuck off. That's yeah. just yeah. 
seems like playing with fire. <laughs> uh, uh, Return to monkey. Yeah, truly. But really, I uh, it, it was I loved it. I loved every minute of that. It's a good boat. Good boat, good bit. So I was doing some research about the Ever Given uh, back when all that was happening, and I found out some very interesting information about both the boat itself and the company that owns the boat. So the boat itself, back in 2019 in, I believe, Germany, they had an incident where uh, the Ever Given got caught in some crosswinds and uh, sort of deviated from its course a little bit. And like that, they didn't plan and just absolutely obliterated a passenger ferry. You know, luckily nobody <laughs> oh on my it. God. But yeah. just like destroyed this boat, reduced it to shreds, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> like, whoops, wind's really strong. Sorry, sorry, we blew up your whole ferry. The Virgin Jesus Ferry Christ. versus the Chad the ever Chad given. Ever That was in 2019. And then the other thing, in 92, a different ship by the same company, this one was called the Ever Laurel. In 92, this ship was carrying a cargo of some some rubber duckies. It was, I think they were ducks and, like, frogs and shit, like bath toys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they dropped a whole shipping container over of these overboard on accident. The container busted open, and it spilled... 28,800 rubber ducks into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. So they're still out there. These uh, these were different from most uh, bath toys. You know how they, like a rubber duck, usually has that little hole in the bottom so it'll Uh fill up with water? These didn't. So these didn't (laughs) sink. They just kept floating. So they're still out there. (laughs) Just floating the fucking ocean. Yeah, there's like a a collection of 28,000 rubber ducks just like hanging out. (laughs) God, that's so fucking cool. They're going to establish a society on some island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually did find out, though, um, there was in the comments of the article where I was reading about the uh, about both of those incidents. Uh, there was somebody who was a oceanographer, and apparently those rubber ducks have been absolutely invaluable to the uh, study of oceanography over the past 30, 40 years. 30, I guess. Uh, because they just drift wherever the ocean currents take them. So they've just been able to follow oh. this big cloud of ducks and learn more about ocean currents. Shit, yeah. Which I think is super cool. Damn, that's that's kind of cool, yeah. Some dipshit accidentally dumping ducks into the ocean advanced the oceanography, the study of oceanography. I've read that um, this Ever Given shit might actually advance research into new uh, methods of shipping and stuff like that. So, huh? Yeah, you you can't shut off ten percent of global trade and just have that be something that can happen on like the whim of the weather so people are looking into new ways to ship large containers over long distances i don't know it seems Smaller like the, yeah <laughs> i heard that uh elon musk is digging a channel god damn it <laughs> <laughs> tom disconnected <laughs> <laughs> I heard that Elon Musk is digging a tunnel uh, directly to China, and that's how we are going to handle all of our shipping from here on out. 
And then someone's going to point out that that doesn't work and we should just stick to boats and he's going to call them a pedophile. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, As always, we really appreciate it that you guys are willing to stick around and listen to us ramble about boats. Um, This week, uh, we have got a lot of new Patreon subs that I want to thank. Uh, Number one, I want to thank Doink Patrol. We had them on for episode three, and now they're paying us money. Uh, I would also like to thank... uh, Sorry if I butcher this. uh, I believe it's Pallavi. That's Tom's friend. We've got Joseph. We've got Hillary. We've got Anisha and Stacia. And our first sub, who we thanked last week, my friend Maddie. So, to all seven of you, thank you for paying us money. We appreciate it. We're going to go buy an entire $5 fill-up at KFC each. Uh, I'm going with mashed potatoes for the side on mine. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by girl bosses and Josephs like you. That's right. Joseph, our lone king. <clears throat> um, as always, you guys can join that those hollowed halls of the Patreon crowd at patreon.com slash sundaymorningpod. You can follow us on Twitter at Sunday underscore pod. And I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but all five of our personal accounts are linked in the bio of the podcast account. So if you like one of us more than the other, uh, you can go follow them there or follow all of us. We're all sort of funny. And lastly, as I said earlier, please go review us on iTunes. Uh, Drown out that guy who gave us that one-star review. Tell people about the podcast. Tell your friends and family. Uh, Tell anyone who really likes boats. That's about it. Thanks for sticking around, guys. Uh, Have a good boat day. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta fucking cut that last part. That sucked. Let me think of a better bit. No, no, no. Here we go. I'm gonna do a pirate. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Shit. No, you do the pirate voice. All right. What do you want? What do you what? What should I say? <laughs> I don't know. Just some sort of outro. Uh, okay. Just... And uh, with that, I think it's time we wish you, mateys, a good morn, Sunday morn, and we'll see you on the high seas next week. Arr. Good morning, Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs>